Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for bringing everyone here this morning that you've brought here. Um, because we have an opportunity to have our minds renewed by your word, and uh, which is what we're going to look at today. And um, God, that being said, I just uh, pray um, that your word would perform its work that you promised there in 2 Timothy 3.16, that your word is there for reproof, for correction, uh, for training in righteousness, um, Lord, I just pray that uh, your word would have the effect that um, you intended to have on each person here this morning, and um, pray that you'd help uh, my words, Lord, to come out uh, in a way of communicating that um, is, uh, is not a distraction, but will uh, make your word clear. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, if you guys could all just turn to Ephesians 1, excuse me, I might cough a little bit because I should have, anyway, I have a cold, but I mean, it's it's getting better. So um, so our passage is going to be from Ephesians 4, but I wanted to just kind of quickly scan through the book starting at Ephesians 1 to establish some context, okay? So... Um, in Ephesians 1, Paul is writing this letter, and um, he starts off by sharing how the Ephesians were chosen by God and what that means in terms of all the blessings they received upon believing the gospel. <clears throat> Things that he mentions here are they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. They've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. They've been adopted as sons and daughters. They've been blessed with grace. They have redemption. They have forgiveness of their sins. They are part of the great uniting of Jews and Gentiles into the church. They have an inheritance, and they're sealed with and given the Holy Spirit. Um, There was a story of an elderly couple that lived on on a farm, and um, they were able to get by, you know, throughout their lives, but towards the end of their lives, they sold the farm to a developer, and the developer had the inkling to um, drill for oil, and he did so, and it turned out that plot of land was, was worth millions of dollars. But this elderly couple, they never knew it. They were just sitting on millions of dollars of oil. And um, we don't want that story to illustrate how, how we might live unaware of the vast riches that we possess in Christ. And so I think that's partly why um, Paul starts the book this way, to remind these believers of who they really are and what they have. Um, He goes on in this chapter one to say that he um, tells them that he prays constantly that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. That's a a lot of words, right? But in in a nutshell, Paul is praying that that they would um, be aware of, of all of these blessings and all of these things that, that we have in Christ. This is a, a very appropriate prayer that we should pray for ourselves and for one another um, 
as all, very often. Um, so then in chapter two, Paul proceeds to tell them how um, they were formerly dead and in the quotes, having no hope and without God in the world and that they were created new. They were given a new creation with a new life and with a new purpose, as you saw there in uh, Ephesians 2.10. Um, then in chapter three, Paul explains how they as Gentiles are fellow heirs with other believers and are united in God's creation called the church. And then he proceeds to pray again for them that they would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. So these two things that he's praying for them, I think are key. One, that they would be aware of who they are and being God's children, what does that, what do you, what does that mean for you? And, and secondly, that they would come to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge more and more. What's important about that? In, in Corinthians, uh, Paul says, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Um, if the love of Christ is the thing that's going to control us, then, of course, Paul is praying that we would know his love in a deeper and deeper way. And I think the more deeper we know his love, then the more we'll be controlled by, by his love. <clears throat> so this all culminates into chapter four, um, where Paul says, because of the aforementioned things, one through three, they should walk in a manner worthy of their calling, be humble people so as to promote unity, and that they are to grow up into Christ individually, as well as use their individual gifts given to them by God in order to see the whole body of Christ grow. <clears throat> so, so the reason I shared all this is because it provides context for the rest of the book. The rest of the book is we're going to start with um, Ephesians 4, 17 today. He gets into uh, practical living, um, uh, how that walk should look like, <clears throat> what the, um, the, the walk, which you could say is just um, how you conduct yourself in this world. Um, what's that supposed to look like? Um, so I'm going to start by just reading Ephesians 4:17. Now, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So why would he <clears throat> why would he transition to say um, now I need to remind you guys that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk? After he, after he stated all these first things. Um, we'll go on another little rabbit trail here first. Um, so the context, even in the, in the book of Ephesians, the, or the Church of Ephesus with Paul's life, is that um, from the book of Acts, we see that um, he made contact with them on his second uh, missionary journey, I think it was, and... Um, and he was only there for not very long. I mean, not probably not even a month. Um, and, uh, and then he continued on to other cities. Um, but then he came back um, a couple years later, and uh, he returns and he spends three years there, three years in Ephesus. You know, think about if, if Paul was, was with us for three years. And it talks about how this man named Tyrannus, who owned a a hall, says the hall of Tyrannus, um, he allowed Paul to use it daily to, to teach the disciples. 
So for three years, these disciples are almost like in a school, if you will, um, just being taught by Paul. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting, but there's one, uh, a few manuscripts that add um, from the fifth hour to the 10th hour, which would be 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. to us. If that's, uh, if that's the case, that Paul spent that much time teaching the disciples, then you, know, you would think that they'd have a really good handle on uh, the ways of God and um, how to conduct their lives. Um, so finally, Paul has a visit with the Ephesian elders. This is the last time he had contact with them, uh, with the Ephesian elders on his way to Jerusalem. And he exhorts them to pay careful attention to themselves and to the flock and to be alert to false teachers. He met them in a city called Miletus, so he didn't actually get up to Ephesus to see everyone in the church. So he just had the elders come down to him as he was passing through. And the last thing I want to share uh, before looking at the passage <clears throat> is what is said in Revelation about the Ephesian church, which is a look many years later. The angel to the church of Ephesus said, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So you can see that they, they have taken that admonition to look out for false teachers. They've been doing a good job there. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So it's no wonder that Paul prayed that they would understand God's love that is beyond comprehension um, so that we, you know, so that we won't abandon, so that we will be controlled by that love. Um, so this is my opinion about this, but I feel like a tendency that can happen in our Christian lives is that um, Paul uses the term walk, which is like how you conduct yourself, is that the further removed we are in time from the, the point at which we come to faith in Christ, um, we can tend to allow ourselves to sink back into living for ourselves rather than living for Christ, um, which is one danger. Uh, or we can find ourselves living for Christ, uh, but in God's eyes, it's, it's not done from a heart of love. It's just done from more of a duty or habit uh, or routine. And that's kind of what this um, in Revelation that he's talking about. So I think Paul was writing all that he did in chapters one through four <clears throat> up to now to remind the Ephesian believers of their true identities and what they have as members of the family of God and what their lives' true purposes are. And then he needs to remind them of the differences between who they were and who they are. So that's where we start here in, in verse 17. And now I'm gonna read through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk or conduct yourselves as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, and I'll just stop there for a minute.
why would he, why would he have to, in this letter, say, um, hey, I'm giving you this uh, admonition here, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Um, it could be that uh, he's saying this by way of reminder to encourage some who had fallen back into their old ways. And I'm sure that you, know, you all have experienced with um, uh, fellow believers that you've seen uh, this can happen to. <clears throat> or he could be saying it to new believers in Ephesus because he wrote this letter about um, six or seven years after his last meeting with the Ephesian elders. And so he could be saying it to new believers in Ephesus that he never taught that they should not walk as the Gentiles walk. Um, so I had a colonoscopy this week, and um, it was just a, a routine screening for colon cancer because I'm over 50, so you're supposed to do that. Um, but they removed some polyps, and they're going to uh, send them out for testing. Um, but if I did have colon cancer and didn't get screened, and I had something going on inside of me, some rotting away of cancer, um, what's the point of the screening? It's to get a prognosis on the health of my colon, okay? And um, the colonoscopy is gonna give the doctor an in-depth analysis of where I stand, you know, with my colon. So it's, uh, it's important to know, right? It's important to know what the condition of your, you are um, so that you can know what the remedy might be. Um, so this is gonna help him get to the root of my problem. And I think it's the same thing that Paul is doing here. Um, what point would it be telling people, you know, he's gonna go on and we're gonna see how he talks to people about how to live with one another and husbands and wives and, and your emotions of anger and stealing and, and your speech and all these things. But what point would it be if he just uh, told the people about those things, but he never addressed the, the root problem of the disease that uh, can cause us to not live the way that we should live? Um, so I'm gonna point out six things that we see here, and I think that this is what Paul is doing. He's trying to remind them of, this is the condition of the human heart. This is the diagnosis. Um, and so we're gonna carry this condition until heaven. Um, so it's, it's, it's some, you could call it the flesh, the fleshly condition. Um, what you see in the world a lot of times is, it's interesting, because like even in the, world that we live in with uh, non-Christians, you know, um, people, you'll see all kinds of quick fixes and band-aids trying to be put on things that, to um, help improve people, right? Help improve people's lives or help improve the community or, or whatever it is. But um, none of those things typically address the real um, prognosis, which is a condition of the human heart. Um, so let's point out um, six things that um, our true condition apart from the saving work of Christ looks like. First, um, you know, if you go through, again, Paul like, likes to put lots of words together here, but um, I'd say that if from this passage you can see that the root 
um, problem is a hardness and callousness of heart. That, that's the, the root problem. And then from that, um, that hardness of heart produces an ignorance of the ways of God. Um, it says here, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Um, third, the result of this ignorance is a darkened understanding of reality. Um, there's a lot of smart people by the world standards out there. Many degrees, very smart, um, high IQ. Um, and it's interesting because like a lot of times like people will listen to these talking heads uh, to, that are uh, trying to explain reality or you know, where we came from or what our purposes are and things of that nature. But it doesn't matter how many degrees or how high these people's IQ is, if they have not met Christ, then their understanding of reality is darkened. Um, and having a darkened understanding, um, they will yield naturally to sensuality and uncleanness. Um, and that's kind of what it's saying here. That's, that's, that's the, you're going to sink down into this. Starts with the hardness of heart, and then you're ignorant of God's ways, and then you have a darkened understanding, and because you have a darkened understanding, um, you're going to yield naturally to sensuality and uncleanness. And I think of the, when I think of sensuality, I think the, another word for that is licentiousness, but I just think of, um, you just default to whatever I want to do. You know, touch, taste, feel, think of all the senses and just like, I don't feel like doing this or I just want to go to bed or I just want, I mean, just, you just default to those things um, nat naturally. Um, and so you, it could end up having desire to go after wrong things or after going after things in the wrong way. Um, but none of those desires has a proper relationship to God. And so they are all futile. Um, it's interesting, but I mean, that's a, it's a hard, that's a hard reality, but that's, that's the, that's the part of the gospel that's important for people to know that like they're living in futility until they see the light of the gospel of Christ. Um, here's just an example of this in my own life um, of this futility. Um, before I became a Christian, um, when I went away to college, um, my brother had a friend named Curtis Bridges. Do you remember him? Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, he was like in my brother's class, so he was a year ahead of me, and he uh, was at Clemson. And then I went down to Clemson the, the year after that. And uh, it turns out, which you know I didn't know till later, that Curtis Bridges was was a, was a believer. And um, so when I got down to Clemson, he kind of sought me out and started inviting me to his church. Um, I went a couple times and thought, this is really weird, and these people are weird. And so um, I'm not one that likes confrontation, so that's probably why I went with him in the first place instead of just saying, like, no, I'm not interested. Um, but then after going and not wanting to be there, uh, again, because of not liking confrontation, not just wanting to tell him the truth, I just said, like, hey, you know, I, I can't go to your church because i got to go to my church. And so I, I did. I mean, I, I did go to my church, um, but my church had Saturday evening services. And so um, I went to church on Saturday night so that I could go out 
Saturday night and, and get drunk and sleep off my hangovers on Sunday. I mean, so it just, uh, that's, that's futile. That's a darkened understanding. That's ignorance, right? I mean, like, I go to church and then I proceed to like, okay, guys, where are you at? We're at Tiger Town Tavern. Okay, I'll meet you over there. I mean, um, in fact, a funny story, since my mom is with us this morning, there was one night, I don't know, it was probably 11 o'clock, and I didn't know, I wasn't in my right mind, and, um, and there was this girl named April that lived back at, in Maryland that I went to high school with, and so I was fond of her, so I, I thought I was calling her, and I said, hey, can I speak to April? And then on the other end of the phone is like, this is your mother, Andrew. <laughs> and so... Uh, I was like, oops. Um, so being, you know, many miles away from home, I'm sure she thought like, I don't think he's making good choices down there. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this leads to number five, which is a life of futility. <clears throat> Nothing of any eternal significance is accomplished. Life is just one big pile of ashes waste of wasted weeks and years. Um, it'd be like someone who designed like a beautiful house and, uh, and then they built that house and just everyone as it was going up was like, wow, this is the most gorgeous house I've ever seen. And then somehow, you know, before moving in, the county comes to him and says like, mm, that property's not zoned for residential, so that house is gonna have to go. And then a bulldozer comes and takes the whole house away and uh, all because there was an ignorance of the county's master development plan. And, um, and that's how many people's lives are that are, are not awakened um, by the gospel. Um, they're doing, they're just living life and they may be in their minds building gorgeous houses, but in the end, it's just a pile of ashes and it's, there's nothing of eternal significance being accomplished. Um, <clears throat> So there's only futility in the end without relating all you do to God. And then Paul puts it this way, alienated from the life of God. So um, um, every one of us is in that condition until the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ breaks in and melts the hardness of our hearts and dispels the darkness and unites us to life, to the life of God and makes us new creatures through faith in Christ. And... Um, this verse, uh, I, actually, when I think about reading it now that we went over in John, it just has so much more meaning to it now. Um, it's John 5, 25, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I mean... You know, I, I, I think at the time I was thinking like of, the, of the, the dead people that were already in the grave, they'll hear the voice of God. But what, what we're talking about is every one of us is dead. Um, it, said, it said that in, earlier in Ephesians that uh, we're alienated <clears throat> um, from the life of God. And um, so I just praise the Lord, you know, that... Uh, the hour was coming and was now there when Jesus came, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And um, that's just a precious thing to be thankful for, 
that you heard his voice um, to where you now have life and you're not dead. Um, <clears throat> so let's move on to the next verse, um, you know, that kind of describes the reason why we should no longer live as the Gentiles in futility. Paul goes on to say um, in verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. And in my Bible, there's an exclamation point after that. I mean, you know, he's writing this. He's not saying it, but he's like, but that's not the way you learned Christ. And, and, and that has a lot of meaning. That's why I shared all that backstory because, you know, him being in Ephesus for three years, teaching and teaching and teaching a lot of the Ephesian disciples, um, he's like, this is why you should no longer live like the Gentiles do because I didn't, you didn't learn that about Christ and his ways. That's not what you were taught. And um, so once one of the key things Paul says he taught them. So, so, so Paul goes on to tell them and remind them what he did teach them. So let me start again in 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ, <clears throat> assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And then this is what he taught them to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So there, there's a lot to, to, uh, to this and uh, we're just gonna kind of dig into it a little bit. But at the most basic level, after responding to the voice of Jesus for salvation, um, the first thing you need to know before you learn how to live is that you need to change your clothes, okay? He talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. So just think of like, I mean, if you got accepted to some school or something and, and they're like, oh, well, you know what, the, we have, or you get a job and they're like, here's our dress code. You know, you've been just bumming around in sweats, you know, all day long, but we have a dress code here. You need to change your clothes before you come to work. And so, so that's kind of what I, what I liken this to. Um, and uh, here he just talks about putting off the old self and he gives a little insight, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, but put on your new self, created, we'll get into that in a minute, after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. But if you would turn to, a, to Colossians 3 with me, um, Colossians uh, paints a little more detailed picture of what this putting off and putting on looks like, okay? What, in other words, let's take a look at what the old clothes looked like and then what the new clothes are supposed to look like. So I'm gonna start reading um, Colossians 3, verse five. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, in these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, 
seeing that you have put off the old self, it's the same word, put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Let me continue. Um, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So you get a picture there of what the old clothes look like and what the new clothes look like. And um, uh, there's basically back in Ephesians, you kind of see that he compares. You've got old self versus new self. Um, The old self belongs to your former manner of life, contrasted with the new self, which belongs to God. It was created by God. And then the old self is corrupted through deceitful desires. The new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The old self is based on deceit. The new self is based on truth. And I think what's, I mean, even as I was driving up here this morning, I was just thinking how this is why, you know, we're to walk by faith, right? Because sometimes the old self and the old nature and those things, they appear good. They sound good. They, hmm, that seems logical. Let's do that. Um, but there's deceit involved. There's deceitful. Um, our desires can deceive us. And, um, um, but the new self is based on truth. And so walking by faith, we need to walk in with the new clothes on, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't, um, it's walking by faith, you know, uh, walking in the truth. Um, as opposed to um, in deceit. Um, <clears throat> one thing I just want to point out here that really, I get, I really had never seen it before, um, but just reading over the passage over and over again, it kind of stuck, stuck out, um, is to notice that the new self is God's creation. So he says in verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is why I think that's important because Paul could have just come in and said, hey, you guys had some bad habits um, and attitudes. I, I just need you to change those to some good habits and good attitudes. And, and here's a list of things that you need to do, you know, just a to-do list of what those new habits need to be in your life. Um, and the thing is, that's, that's kind of the approach the Pharisees took right? They just, you know, these are the things that we need to do to equal goodness and and righteousness and holiness. But um, it's not something that we can do. It's it's God created, he created this new self that we are to walk by faith in. He created it after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so if by faith we, we put on the new clothes and walk in that new self, then 
um, we're going to become more and more like Christ. Um, this is totally in line with uh, Ephesians 2.10, where he says, you, you've been created. Uh, we are his workmanship. That's, that's a creation. Created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then, of course, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, um, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. <clears throat> um, so we don't want to just uh, develop a new set of habits and rules and, and end up, you know, in legalism. Um, but he says to walk in these good works that I've created beforehand for you. And I think what's interesting about that, again, is like if you do it the, the Pharisees' way, right, who's, who, who's getting the glory for, for them trying to follow this list of rules? It, it was them. It, they were getting the glory. In fact, they'd, they'd even like, you know, like pound their chest, if you will, you know, kind of like a, they probably did something right, and then it'd be like, you know, or something, like football players or something. But uh, uh, he even prepared the good works we were to walk in. So where's the glory for me doing good things? It's not, it's not there. The glory is all God's. Any good works that we walk in, we're walking in what he already prepared for us. Um, so now this last part is probably the most important takeaway from this morning. And this, and this is, I'm just very excited about this because it's practical. And God like gives us, he didn't leave us hanging, Right? Um, so what's the connection between putting off the old self and putting on the new self? The connection or the answer to how do I put off the old clothes and put on the new clothes is in verse 23. Um, and he says here, wait a minute, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. <laughs> verse 23, um, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So let me, let me start again with 22. Um, <clears throat> to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Um, in my understanding, that's the connection between the old and the new, and that's how you put on the new. Um, right attitudes, emotions, and practices are born from the truth, that is, true views of spiritual reality. And our attitudes, emotions, and practices are to come from the spirit of a renewed mind. Um, and they will if we renew our minds. Um, and what does renewing our minds look like? Okay, because I mean, you could say, like, oh, I said, renew your mind. I, that sounds good. How do I do it? Right? Um, so I'm just going to turn here quickly to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And it says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, as we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That'll make a little bit more sense as we read um, what Paul said in Colossians 
um, 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, which indeed you have, if you've put your faith in him, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So again, I said earlier, I'm thankful that every one of you is here this morning because when we come together on a Sunday morning, we, we are exposing ourselves to God's word and it, it enables us to have our minds renewed, okay? It enables us, in fact, I like the verse that talks about um, washing with the word. Um, it, it's like a cleansing effect and, and you're renewing your mind uh, by coming here. Um, but in our day and age, um, at least for me, my experience, uh, I really can't get by with just renewing my mind one day a week um, because the world is fierce out there and the flesh is fierce out there in, in our flesh. And it, it's, it's constantly wanting us to pull us this way. There, I don't think there is any like just level ground. Um, it's, it's either pulling this way or, or we're renewing our minds to go uh, the other way. And... Um, <clears throat> So I think that we need to be renewing our minds on a more continuous basis than just one day a week, or else we might be, get deceived and fall back into the way the Gentiles walk and the futility of their minds. And another thing that can happen is that we can start to become callous. And what do we say is the root problem of the Gentiles walk is hardness of heart. So the more we renew our minds, we can be sensitive to the spirit um, and, and try to avoid growing callous. Um, I think what's really amazing is when you think of the context of all of this and you think of the two prayers recorded here in Ephesians um, where Paul is praying that they would understand who they are and they would understand the love of Christ. Um, these are things that, um, you know, we need, to, we need to be praying for one another. We, we need to be praying for one another. Uh, I'll just say that again. Um, so we've seen the condition of the human heart, the diagnosis, and we've discussed the remedy, which is through re renewing your minds. Um, <clears throat> but back to why Paul has to remind them to no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. I mean, so you, you'd think that he wouldn't even bring that up. He would just start telling them some more practical things. But he, he, he takes the time to remind them I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Does that mean some of them were? Um, I see the reason why he says that this and reminds them is because the process of sanctification is not a one-time thing that happened at a point, your point of salvation. Um, it's an ongoing process. And um, so, you know, he's reminding them that like, this is not the way you're supposed to walk. You're supposed to walk this way. Um, <clears throat> so this process of putting off the old self and putting on the new self will not be a one-time activity either. Um, so I think this is why he brings this up. Um, on the one hand, this is kind of discouraging um, if you think that uh, 
I'm constantly having to change my clothes. You know, I'm having to go through changing my clothes. Um, get rid of, rid of the old and put on the new. Uh, but the thing that I think is um, he gives us the antibiotic for sinking back into the feudal life, and that's to renew our minds. I'm so thankful and excited that, uh, that he gives us the answer. This is how you can keep from sinking back into walking like the Gentiles walk. And um, um, in my own experience, and I, I just wonder if some of you can identify with this, but I have found this to be completely true. Um, and if you're here this morning and your attitudes, emotions, and practices don't line up with Christ, then the answer is to renew, renew, and keep renewing your minds with his truths of reality. Um, there's people I've spoken to, and I've experienced it myself, where you get to a point where you're like, I don't feel close to God. I don't, um, I don't even feel like, you know, doing this or, or, or getting to know him. Um, but I think the answer is to, by faith, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Um, and he will change your attitudes and your emotions, and he will change your practices. Um, and, and I've seen this happen in my life. Um, uh, of course, by Paul saying to renew our minds, what, is, what does that also mean? The flip side of that. The flip side is that we could always just say, no, not interested. No, I don't feel like it, right? I don't feel like renewing my mind. Um, that's, the, that's, that's the antibiotic for walking in the flesh, walking like the Gentiles walk, but I don't feel like doing it, okay? Um, well, I get that. I mean, I, I've been there. I felt like that before. Um, but in my experience, um, God's word is true in my life. It, it comes true where he says, I will not be mocked. If any man sows to the flesh, from the flesh he'll reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, from the spirit he'll reap eternal life. And um, there's been times in my li life where I didn't feel like renewing my mind. And, uh, and it wasn't just for a day or two. I mean, it was for weeks on end, right? And, um, but uh, I think I could sum up what the consequences in my life end up being during those times. It's pretty much I see a corrupted heart and a corrupted mind, and, um, and it just starts damaging things around me. I mean, it's almost like there's collateral damage in relationships and... <sighs> so many things. Um, so God's word is true that, I mean, we can choose not to renew our minds uh, or to renew our minds, but if we don't, we're gonna, we are going to end up like what Paul is saying here. We're going to end up like that. We're going to end up with a futile life. And um, so I'm just thankful today that God gives us the answer, and, uh, which is to renew our minds, put off the old clothes, renew your mind, put on the new clothes, and he will, if we do that, he will change, he will transform. Even in, in, in Romans 12, 1, it talks about um, renewing your minds. Uh, and he will, you'll be transformed that way. He will transform your attitudes, your actions, uh, your emotions, um, to be in line with this new creation 
which is after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And he will do that if we commit to renewing our minds. And again, I don't know where everyone's at this morning, but if you're at a point where you feel distant from God or you just don't feel like that relationship's there like it used to be or once was, the answer is to renew your minds. Do that by faith and allow God to transform you. <clears throat> so let's, um, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm just thankful that you, you give us the answer this morning for uh, when we see our lives getting into a rut that we don't like or when we see our lives not um, being in accordance with your ways um, and the answer is to set our minds on things above, not on things on the earth, to renew our minds and be washed by your word. And um, I just thank you that that's true. I've experienced that. I've, I've seen to where just taking that step of faith out from that rut I'm in and begin renewing my mind again, you start transforming everything. And it, you even transform my emotions to where um, the, the not feeling like doing it starts to feel like doing it. And, and I want to grow and I want to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I, I just uh, pray like the Apostle Paul did um, for these Ephesians, God, that you would strengthen each of us this morning with power through your spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. This is a work that you created, God, for us to walk in. And um, I pray, God, that you would strengthen us with power to walk in this way, Father, and to become more and more like Christ. I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.